0: Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, aka Cap, and I am Jeffless. I'm not being joined by Jeff Park, aka taking the night off. Uh, we've been working him hard lately, uh, making him t- put in the long hours and and really carry this show. Like I'm just kind of using him for content. And just riding him like a like a horse all the way. And uh, I thought maybe I should actually do some of the work for once. So uh, Jeff will not be joining me tonight. I'm going to do a, a really quick solo chat. I don't have a lot to talk about. Um, and of course, uh, this is a um, really just to, to keep, uh, keep in the habit of doing some Sunday Night Streams. We're, we're going to be taking a, a, a few weeks off coming up in, in December, uh, not in December, uh, uh, early January, when, um, you know, around the Christmas season on Sunday nights. Uh, and so I just wanted to, to keep going for the now. Um, and anyway, uh, for one thing, and also Jeff, Jeff's been working hard, at, at, he's, he had some work stuff, he had some church stuff going on, and uh, also... Uh, I'm dragging him on to the Flyover Libertarian podcast tomorrow. Uh, We're going to be doing our member stream. Now, this is entirely too late for everyone who's watching this when it comes out on Thursday. Because I'm recording this on Sunday and we're going to have him on tomorrow. But I'm just doing this now to remind you that if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover, you get more than just the satisfaction of supplying us with funds. You also get access to such treats as uh, the Flyover Libertarian podcast, which is the other podcast that I'm part of. Uh, We do a monthly member stream where you get to interact with us, ask some questions, and also you get to see uh, the episodes that we're recording before. They drop, and in fact, you sometimes get to see the faces behind the mysterious names of the rural Rothbard and Darabelli. Mm. You don't get that if you're just waiting for the audio podcast to come out like a normie. Uh, and also, you get to be part of the chat room um, as we go live every Sunday at 10.30, and... um Hindi and and many many other things so you get to, to such as joining our secret discord uh, server which has really picked up lately we've we started talking about a lot of things um, uh, um, some some Bible theology political theology stuff we've been talking a lot about the gospel coalitions um, a couple of recent articles they made that were pretty cringy one about the constitution and one about bitcoin and uh if, if you're a follower of both our shows the flyover libertarian and the anarchist bible study you will know that uh darabelli had things to say about tgc's article on bitcoin um and yeah you get all that stuff things that we that we uh uh and and more immediate feedback if you go to flyover if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover And support us at either one or three dollars a month. For one dollar a month, you get access to the Discord server and uh, and access to the chat every Sunday of this Anarchist Bible Study. And every and for three dollars, you get access to that members uh, stream every uh, monthly member stream, as well as of course some more features in the Discord. Anyway, enough shameless peddling of my things. Enough of that. And let's turn to shamelessly peddling Paul Thompson's book, The Curse of the Rat King. Ah, so chapter six. Um, uh, so, so, so far we've, we've been learning more about the magical world. And I, I, one of the things that I've, I've been thinking more about this was really interesting is the way magic works in, in um, the world of the, of, of Drosselmeyer of Paul Thompson's uh, world. Um, and I'm, I'm interesting. You know, you can, you can compare it with things like, um, well, like Lord of the Rings or like Harry Potter. I've been making a lot of comparisons, but also there's another book that I'm, I'm liking making comparisons to. And that's the other book series that I really like. And I'm, I'm working through actually all these books for the second time. Um, that's the, uh, the, uh, Jim Butcher's, uh, Dresden files series. Um, uh, a novel of the Dresden Files. I'm I'm right now in White Knight. I've been wor- I'm I'm getting toward the end of it, but uh, it's interesting comparing and contrasting the way magic works in different worlds. Um, in in um, what's interesting uh, Her- in Harry Potter's world? Like magic is almost like this. F- um, it's it really is kind of like a uh, you've got certain spells like a book of spells and you, you, you say the right word and you do the wand the right way. And so it, it is kind of a, I don't know, per, school. Like it fits that the whole story takes place in a school because it is kind of a, uh, a, a memorize the formula, make the formula happen sort of world. And I'm not downplaying any of this. I'm not, I'm not comparing and contrasting, making anything like look, worse or better. But whereas in the Lord of the Rings world, magic is much more tied to uh names and to to words. You know, so you've got uh uh you know you like magic words like that's one thing that I'm noticing uh I'm rereading the book uh with with my son, my oldest son, I'm rereading the Lord of the Rings with them very slowly. And it's not like I, I didn't know this, but it's just kind of remembering that how much like words have power so like they'll talk about if they talk about Mord, mordor and and uh the black riders in 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 a place well just in you know in certain places they'll say no 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 don't talk about that don't say that word don't don't name that and uh and that's kind of how magic works in that way there's sort of a of a, a, a word based and even like but also like kind of a a uh Nature is very magical. Like there's, there's sort of a, uh, if I may, a, a sort of Christian aspect to the magic of the Lord of the Rings. That that like you know, the, the cr- that nature is magical, and and words are magical, and and there's also connections to gods, and and you know the the the. Um, uh, of. Pantheon of gods, like, um, and and there's that magic taps into that in that world as well. Um, although I've noticed also a big thing is that magic is mostly, um, about influence, more about influence, it seems than about actual spells casting. Um, but, but the way words work in both of those, um, in, in the Harry Potter world, the words are are really what seems like a combination of the word and the wand is what makes the magic happen. Whereas in in, in Tolkien, it's that certain words become imbued with power and you can wield those words in a way to make things happen. Um, whereas in, in Butcher's world, uh, the world of the Dresden Files, um... Magic is much more tied to, like, the, the he, he, he often talks about, it's about the, um, like, the primal, um, the primal forces of nature, um, and you're, you're just, you're tapping into those. And a wizard is able to tap into those primal forces and channel them. And and so what words do for the wizard in Dresden's world is they actually, it's not that the word itself causes the magic. It's actually more like the word is, prote- it's not about the magic in his world. The word is more about the, the spellcaster. Like the word comes to be associated with the magic. Um, in order to protect the wizard's mind so like essentially there's the primal forces of 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 creation um that the wizard channels in in the dresden files and the magic and and uh it, since it goes through the wizard um if they're unable to, to to use a word, maybe because they're gagged or something, then there's this this psychic feedback that happens, that it kind of um it, it really affects their their brain and, and it can cause them to to be a little bit, uh if you know depending on how much magic they channel they could even kind of get fried a little bit, um and so the word actually is not about the magic but it's about protecting the uh the wizard but uh, what what makes dresden files magic different from lord of the rings and harry potter magic is the words themselves don't matter you know of course we have that 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 scene in in the uh, in the movies and i have read the books but obviously you know no one thinks about this from the but you know the scene where where young Hermione goes, Leviosa, you know, like, you know, and, and she, because it's about how you pronounce the word. And so the word itself has power in that world as well. But in the Dresden files world, the, the magic, the word doesn't matter. In fact, um, one of the big things that one of the running jokes of, of the series is that, um, most of Harry Dresden's spells are based on bad Latin, like Latin sounding. It's not actually Latin. It just, it's, vaguely latin and since he doesn't know latin in fact that's kind of it's kind of the point if you, you use a, a word you don't normally use because then the word becomes associated with the spell uh it's not something that you use normally um it seems like the magic in the the drosselmeyer world um is much more like the dresden files way of magic where the word itself doesn't matter it's that the word comes to represent the spell, but it's less about protecting the magician from the effects of magic, and it's more about like a shorthand. Like there's something much more of a visual um, power to 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 the curse of the rat king spells. Like, in fact, that while learning spells, th- what they're doing is they're like they're. They're drawing. It's almost like they're drawing pictures, and forming pictures, and and, and using that. So so like um, he's he's working on enchantments, and uh, he talks about how um, if you if if you make a spell, which is a much more effect uh, immediate effect thing, then you can just turn it off by sweeping his hand and basically like wiping the words off the the. I guess you could say page, but it's really just that he's forming words in front of him and just wipe it off. But with an enchantment, he says, uh, which he which by which, the in in this world means basically storing spells in an object. Um, with this, he said he describes it like this: if an enchanted object didn't work as intended, it could only be negated or turned off by drawing it backwards. So you you draw this spell, in in in. in the magical field of vision that, that wizards have in this world, um, or magicians have in this world. And to turn it off, you have to go backwards. And, uh, and there's different rules like metal contains spells longer than what they say is porous materials like wood and stone. Um, but also it requires more skill to enchant. And, um, and there's also a bit about the politics, where the, you know the 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 czar, the 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 king of their world, only wants gold instead of wizard grade medals, um, and so they're hard to find, and so a little more, um, well, uh, a little more, uh, I guess you could say. Um, it, expensive um but but this is where it's connecting to a a, 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 a a theme that's been going back since the beginning is that fritz has this one little like circular medallion that he's always had and it's it came he he had it um since the beginning in fact he would hide it from uh the the wicked people who ran the um the orphanage he worked at because he knew they would take it and they would sell it and uh um it was something that he I believe he got it from something from his parents I should probably reread that and double check that that's the hard part about reading slowly sometimes you forget some of the early details um but but like to continue with this this visual aspect of magic it's that um it, this is how it describes um their enchanting uh He's enchanting these, this 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 uh, um, this medallion and putting some uh, yeah putting it on this medallion. And he says, um uh, demonstrating the master, is demonstrating to to Fritz or Drosselmeyer as he's naming him uh, how to how to work the enchantment. It says, "See how the magic grows grows legs and attaches to the pendant. That's how you know the enchantment holds and is successful." So, so notice that that's very picture language. Uh, the magic grows legs and attaches to the pendant, to the pendant. And so, in the magical world of Drosselmeyer, um, words—the way he describes, the way the way Thompson describes it—words become shorthands to draw to mind, to bring to mind the pictures that were previously drawn. And so. You come to attach a word to this picture so once again the word so in the same way that that in dresden files as opposed to tolkien and uh harry potter um the words themselves don't have power the words are somewhat arbitrary what matters is in dresden's world the, the primal powers and in this world the picture what is pictured by the magic um he's also learning some more combat spells, and there's this detail that seems important that baroda makes the makes a detail that um he uh he shouldn't depend on his magic in combat uh, only on his magic and so be able to 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 use physical force um and then uh you've got two kind of really important plot moving details. Uh and and the one is we find a little bit more where this word Drosselmeyer, where this name Drosselmeyer comes from. It's it's from a poem from a book called Pickety Wicket. And uh, I Googled it just to make sure, and yes, I think it is a, an invention of the uh of of the um the the, the world. So so a Thompson invention. Um but Basically this this drosselmeyer is a bird that has a song and this this pickety wicket is trying to earn his lover his lover's hand Rosamund Lee and uh it's with the use of the song of the drosselmeyer bird that um he is able to woo her and so uh it it seems like this is there's some some uh deeper significance to the name to of to, to the name drosselmeyer um, for uh Baroda um because uh, yeah because of this book and again um it's it's, it's it, he includes this this poem that's actually really really uh fun, kind of a jaunty little poem, but also one fun detail that comes up in this chapter is uh Fritz tries to. Tries his hand at working an enchantment on a wooden doll that he carved. Hmm. That sounds like something that might he might uh, master later on in life. And if you want to read more hear more, see more of this amazing magical world that's being created by our friend Paul Thompson. Get yourself Curse of the Rat King Meyer. It's the first of a trilogy. Go grab it quickly and read it because if you don't then I'm going to spoil the whole stinking thing before you even get your hands on a copy. So don't let that happen! Curse of the Rat King Meyer by Paul Thompson. Get your copy now. And if you're wondering, that other book that I'm talking about, the Dresden Files series uh, by Jim Butcher. It's the other series I'm ta- I've been talking about. The first book in the series is called Stormfront. Also a phenomenal book series if you're interested in uh, magic. This is uh, it's a story about a wizard in modern-day Chicago. And I like to say it's one part. It's like Harry Potter meets a uh, uh, hard-boiled detective. Like it's, it's like a hardboiled detective novel. He's a, he's a detective and is also a wizard. And then there's various magical creatures and 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 uh, he 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 basically is is using all every type of mythology to find characters to pull from. And it's a really just a really great series. I I love it. Um, as I said, I'm reading through it for the second time. So uh, I've been talking for about 25 minutes, uh, and finally Patrick shows up part of like the whole thing is like I've, I figured uh, the only way I'm going to get any kind of uh, content out of this is if Patrick shows up and interacts with me in the chat and it took me this long uh, until he shows up so I'm just like do you even care about the show anymore bro like I, I man it's like he completely checked out <sighs> no nah, I'm just kidding glad to see you man um, uh, on that note uh, to, to that effect um, I've just been told by him i don't I hope i'm not I hope I'm not spoiling that something that you haven't announced to your people yet um but uh our episodes episodes that we recorded with him on his podcast Cave to the Cross apologetics, will be dropping uh in a week and in, in a week or so. The first episode will drop he says uh the fifteenth of November and then the second one the twenty second of November. Um, it was a fun conversation and I would dare say even more, uh, I was saying also informative. Um, and in fact, I, I, I'm, I was telling my wife as we were talking before I came on here that in some ways it pairs nicely with what we've been doing on the modern downgrade. Um, and so even though it it will be on, the Cave to the Cross Apologetics Channel. Uh, I might link it to our playlist um, for for that series. So if you want to hear, kind of, it, it really is kind of a development on some things that we've talked about in the in in the the modern downgrade series, um, and kind of more focusing on uh, scripture and, and scriptural hermeneutics. Um, and honestly, it's, what's funny is I, I didn't know how much we would actually have to say. Uh, I've seen a list of his guests, and I'm like, man, we we are just the most uh, nobodies that he's had on his show. He had some great sh- people on his show, and we're we're just a couple nobodies. And uh, he said he wanted us to talk about hermeneutics, and I was kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk, but man, I, don't know. I mean, what am I? What do I got to say? Uh, <laughs> but it ended up being kind of a, a great conversation. Like I said, it really follows on the heels of what we've been talking about a lot on the the modern downgrade. Um, which initially I know maybe, maybe, uh, the, the initial, yeah, never mind It doesn't matter. Uh, so we're, we're, we'll get back to that probably, um, down the road. Uh, so, uh, Patrick said, um, Patrick says the, the reason he's here, um, he, but I'm, I'm not, uh, no, I'm going to, I'll say that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait, uh, So uh, I, if you've been following us at all, um, so there's a reason I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time on, on the rat curse of the rat king. And I talked a little bit about Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings has been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, if you, if you've been following us at all, you know that, uh, both Jeff and I are really into Lord of the Rings. That's one of the things that we, we actually, uh, um, bonded over. I think even if I remember right, even before we started this podcast, one of the things we bonded over was. Our, our mutual love of Lord of the Rings. In fact, he, one of his hit, uh, his favorite things to do is to create, uh, Lord of the Rings memes and he'll share them with me on, on, uh, over, over, uh, private chat and stuff like that. And, and I, I have been a big fan of the Lord of the Rings for, for a long time. I first watched the movies. I actually watched the movies first. Um, I didn't read the books first and, uh, but after watching the movies, I, I grabbed the Hobbit I read through that and, uh, and then I read through the Lord of the Rings. And one of the things that I, I, I've also talked about this on, uh, I should probably link to this, at, to the show. I, 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 recorded an episode with, um, uh, Lincoln $5, uh, $5 L on Twitter. And he, uh, he had, he was starting a show. And I, I think he kind of abandoned it. He, he, uh, he got busy with some other things. But he he started a show called Not Another Liberty Podcast or something like that, uh, and he he and I talked about a lot about the Hobbit and Tolkien and Tolkien's mindset and the world of the Hob uh, of, the, of the Lord of the Rings. It was a great conversation. It's still one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done, and it's been a love of mine. Um, for a long long time. I've I've been part of role playing groups that did lord of the rings themed role playing this is such a nerdy thing to admit uh to you know literally dozens of people um <laughs> but but one of the things that i've always i've always loved there's a lot of things about lord of the rings that i i love but it's this ah uh, depth that his world has um and 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 such a deep history and but but this is this is kind of a fun thing that uh, I just a fun uh thing that I do I love watching the movies of the Lord of the Rings too and um you know I'm big on the books obviously but I I love watching the movies um there was a there was like a a short video it might have been a TikTok uh that I saw once of like this this uh either a girlfriend or a wife talking about how she gets her her guy to come hang out with her. And it's basically. She just hits play. And it starts playing Star Wars. And as soon as the theme starts. You watch him pop out of his room. Uh, doing what he was playing video games. Or whatever he was doing. He pops out of the room and sits down right next to her. To watch the movie. Um, that's kind of like me with Lord of the Rings. If I hear those those haunting strings playing. It just draws me. Or if I hear that. Do 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 do. Like that, that kind of. Um, that, that pipes, the pipes and I, I come running. Um, but I made a tweet one day and I said, I I described how I, I watched Lord of the Rings is I'll be watching it and I'll make some comment and be like, it's not exactly that way in the books uh yeah the books do that a little differently in the books it goes back on the, the background for this actually in the books it just explains why this happens a lot more and i'm just going on and on about how <laughs> with every scene how much the books are different and they change it and then at some point my wife will be like do you just want to stop watching the movie and be like why this is my favorite movie <laughs> so like yeah uh, and, and that's that, if that doesn't Define my relationship to the movie so well I don't know what does I love the movies uh, And part of what I love about the movies Is comparing it to the books um, But one important No I'm not, I'm not going to I'll come back to that I say that to, to start Because I um, Though everyone watching this will know My love for the Lord of the Rings They might not know that there's another movie A more recent movie that I, I Actually love really well. Um, (laughs) and, and, uh, that is of course you could guess the movie Moana. I have watched that movie a shocking number of times and it is not because my kids want to watch it. (laughs) I really, I really enjoy the movie. Uh, I say that and I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to really, emphasize that really quickly because i'm going to criticize it for the rest of my discussion but i i love the music i love the way the music forwards the storytelling it's not just silly songs but they they really really forwards the story well um the the structure of the movie is very good i love the the i love it all i'm 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 gonna sound overly into in in (laughs) intellectual but and i love that um the turn at the end, and uh, Patrick brought up the Hobbit movie, the third Hobbit movie, which I'm I'm going to correct him really quickly. There isn't actually a third Hobbit movie. In fact, there are no Hobbit movies. There are no Hobbit movies. He created the three original trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King, and then he stopped. There are no other Lord of the Rings movies. They did not happen. Do you hear me? They don't exist. Anyway, uh, and Moana, the twist at the end of Moana, I think is very, uh, <laughs> honestly, beautiful. So beautiful. I'm not going to try and give it away, but... I, I honestly, the first, the first several times I, uh, I watched it, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I had tears, like tearing up. Like it was just such a beautiful, uh, ending. And one of the things also like, you know, I, I, you know, not a feminist, but the movie is clearly feminist, but it's feminist without being man bashing, which I, you know, I appreciate that. I can really appreciate that. Um, and so I really like the movie. I'm I'm, I love it. And uh, and yet it's it's fun juxtaposing the fact that I'm reading the Lord of the Rings with my son, um, uh, which follows many of the same themes as the Hobbit, and and uh, Patrick says you know the Hobbit the animated Hobbit movie. Yes, you can you can watch the Rankin and Bass one. That's that's a great movie. You can watch that one. Good, ho- it gets gets the tone much better. Um, but the Lord of the Rings, which follows some of the same themes of the first, um. With the first book, The Hobbit, and comparing that with the story of Moana. Um, and what's interesting is that both stories, both Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, which I'm going to conflate those two quite a bit because because they they fit in a in a helpful way um, as a as a foil against what I'm going to criticize about Moana. But both of them are adventure stories. Both of them are are stories about adventures, about the main character leaving home to go on an adventure, and that adventure is important to save their village, their home, their, their, their friends and family. But the attitude of the main character who is leaving is very different in both. And um, I think this has interesting things to say about what makes a Christian movie or story, Christian storytelling, and about the Christian worldview. And so with Moana, what is her motivation? You know, I've been standing at the edge of the water as long as I can remember. I wish I could be the perfect daughter. You know like you know this this whole the whole her her whole song is I just want to to hit the sea and leave and this island I love I love my people and I love the the island but I I want to, I just want to go go explore hit the w- with the wind and my hair and the sea you know the and and the whole this wanderlust that she has. Um, now this wanderlust, this, this feeling th- this can be handled well, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example and it's not coming to my head, but there, there are stories that I've seen where ultimately the theme of the movie is actually, um, you know, through, through exploring their wanderlust, they come to value home even more. Um, so they, they go on their adventure and, and in many ways, um, it, it ends up in, in a very love your home way. Like it's through, through saving their home and going on this adventure that they come to realize how great home is. And there's, there's great stories like that. None are coming to my mind, but I'm, 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 I'm searching for one and I know there's one out there, but I I just can't, maybe if I come up with it, I'll bring it up later. But, but that is not the theme of Moana. Uh, very clearly is not the theme what ends up happening is she through her journey her whole journey is to free her village from uh from being stationary like this is even though i again i'm I'm saying i like the movie i love the movie it is a progressive movie through and through like, there are very clear Marxian themes, by which I'm not saying Marxists, I'm not saying they're communists, I'm saying the theme of constant revolution, of constant change. That if you hold still, if you hold still you, there's only death there, right? The problem that the, the village had is that the, the, their village is going to be destroyed and no one is willing to leave in order to save the village and and uh, the father the, cons- the the conservative father who once you know he lost his his friend to the to going past the reefs he, he's 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 seen what happens when you transgress the bounds of tradition i mean you could the the metaphor is clear those who transgress the bounds of tradition they they are that's that's only harm and pain that way and if only he could see that that staying in this one place with their traditions is killing the Island. Well, ultimately, what do they, what does he do? Well, of course his daughter leads the way and shows him how to be a wayfinder and a Voyager. We are Voyagers. And, uh, they're going to always constantly leave their Island. And you've even got that, that picture on that. They put on their sails of leaving the Island to find the bigger Island. There's always a bigger Island. You can always find another Island. And, uh, and the point of life is adventure and keep moving forward it's a progressive message that you constantly never stop moving uh, the problem with that is you, you, you can start asking so how's that going to work you keep looking for new islands well, well you need to you need to be able to uh, cultivate like you, you how are they going to keep have enough food if they're constantly on the ocean, well, maybe you can you can fish, yeah. But like, but but what if you hit a dead spot of fish? Like the, the whole concept is actually unhelpful. And what happens if you hit land on an island that is not? A paradise, but is in fact uh, already claimed or is, you know, like you can think of all the ways when you stop to think about it, how, how this lifestyle of being a voyager, of being a wayfinder, of finding a new Island, constantly finding a new Island. There's, there's nothing. It's not sustainable. And that's really what we're seeing about progress and progressivism is this. It's an unsustainability of never having a foundation to build your house on. When you build your house on sinking sand, it keeps sinking. You keep having to build new houses, but it's an unsustainable vision. It's an unsustainable pro, uh, project, and and ultimately ends in destruction. But this is the attitude of her, is this, this, this attitude of, my home is fine, I just want to leave it. And of course, this is better than other adventure movies where the, the home is actually... Uh, a terrible place and and it's always you know these um of course the 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 terrible home is the home of the conservatives and we're to we're to leave our conservative family and to go find a better home and that's going to be more affirming and welcoming and and uh and yet she says like i love my people but i want them to progress i want them to leave I'll leave our island like and so the point of saving home isn't actually going home but the point of saving home is to get her family off of home. The Lord of the Rings is very different. The Lord of the of the Rings, it's it's an adventure story. But the point of but but what is the constant theme when you read the Hobbit? And I'd say this is this is maybe um some advice to anyone who's 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 watching this and has young kids read the hobbit to your children read it several times read it so many times that they start to really love bilbo uh, cuz then it's once once they really love bilbo that's when you're ready to move on to the lord of the rings but all throughout the hobbit there's this constant theme of he missed his bed in his hobbit hole or he missed, missed his kitchen he missed his uh his nice comfortable drawing room he like he talks about the pl- parts of bag end that he really missed and it says not for the last time <laughs> so constantly throughout his whole adventure he's missing home and that is and, and and that's really what what ends up happening is he he's goes on this adventure and this adventure is so important cuz every you know this this constant you catastrophe the the you catastrophe is such a eu catastrophe, eu uh, being the first two letters, in Greek it is the, the word, it is the, the prefix of make something good so euangelion is the word for evangelism it comes from euangelion because the u kind of looks like a v in Latin, and, yeah anyway um, but euangelion is the good angelion the and an, you see angel well angels are messengers from God the angelion is the message so good message good news the gospel is good news okay so a you catastrophe is a catastrophe that is good <laughs> and and uh, I know it sounds like a terrible ter, like a, like a like a nonsense term but but if you read the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, you see they are full of catastrophes. In fact, we just read, uh, we just read with my boy um, the beginning of the second book of the Fellowship of the Ring, where uh, he finally gets to talk to Gandalf, and Gandalf says, uh, makes the comment how he was delayed, and he says, "I'm afraid that it will be out to our destruction," and then he, but then he like almost in the middle of saying it he almost takes it back and he says and yet perhaps it was for the better so there's this catastrophe that that we discover that the, the real um, what what ended up ha- what happened was he was caught uh, he, he he trusted the you know if you've seen the movie or read the books you know you know the story he trusted the head of his order Sauron, and yet he and he was betrayed and held captive and so he could not uh, go to and go with frodo um when he needed to go and yet he says even though this is a catastrophe it seems perhaps this turns out will turn out for the better and 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 uh, of course bilbo the u catastrophe there's plenty of you catastrophes throughout those books uh, for instance the you catastrophe of getting lost getting captured by the goblins while crossing the mountains. If he had not been captured by the goblins, they would not have ended up in the, the, uh, the channels underneath the mountain, uh, the, the, the goblin tunnels. And if he had not been become separated from the dwarves when they were being attacked by and fleeing from the goblins, he would not have come upon the ring. If he had not come upon the ring, Frodo would not have gotten the ring from him. And if Frodo had not gotten the ring from him, of course, perhaps one day it would come about that one of uh, that either Gollum would make his way out of the mount the the, the tunnels into the real world, and one of the uh, the servants of Saur of Sauron, uh, when he stretched out his hands, would take that ring back. And of course, Sauron was growing in his influence in Dol Guldur which was not far from where uh, where Gollum was staying and so he may have gotten the ring back and accomplished his goal of conquest of Middle-earth had not the catastrophe, the good catastrophe happened of, of Bilbo and his dwarf friends being captured and so the whole history of Middle-earth turns on this what seems to be small trip small adventure like they just want to get back home and 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 steal and find some treasure and they bring this And he's just gonna Bilbo's just going to be the burglar to uh to make his gold and head back and uh and in the process he ends up changing the the changing and ultimately saving middle earth so so this is the this but this theme of the you is all throughout the books but but ultimately it's the idea is that um, the attitude of Bilbo is yes he is doing this yes he's going to do this but ultimately what does he want? Does he want all the gold that the the dwarves offer him at the end of the book? Does he want the riches, the lifestyle of a of a wealthy hero? No, he just wants to go home. He just wants to have his, his quiet little hobbit hole. He wants to have his tea. He wants to enjoy the simple pleasures of, 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 of the Shire. And so he learns to appreciate home through his adventure. And yet he has the wanderlust. He's caught by the wanderlust. And in fact, um, it seems that that is kind of attached to the ring and so um, Gandalf encourages him to leave, and yet he settles down in Rivendell, um, which is really, you know, again, that's the la- called the homely house, the last homely house um, before the mountains crossing, and, and so living in the house of Elrond. But, but then what's happening with Frodo? We see the same sort of idea that Frodo is, is desiring. He's not desiring the adventure. In fact, in, in the first books, he is, in the first chapters of the first book, he is saying goodbye to the Shire because he's, he knows he's going to miss it. And the only reason he's leaving is because he knows that having the ring in the Shire makes the Shire unsafe. And then he travels off and then he, he you know... Was what I really here's the deal here's the one thing that the the movies do a disservice to is they they va- very quickly shorten the first book. You'll notice if when you read the book, the first book that is uh the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring, which you know it's a it's only the Lord of the Rings is only technically a trilogy. He wanted to release it all as one book, as one volume. It's meant to be read as one volume, not as three separate books. Um, it was only because of. Of uh, the price of paper and and uh, what he could get the publishers to do they separated it into three books um, although that ended up to our benefit too because we find those amazing appendices at the end of the Return of the King um, which you can nerd out for ever on those things um, but but the first book uh, is is very very shortened in the movies because for a large for for the the major reason is that for cinematic purposes they wanted to get to the more cinematic parts which are in the second book and and and, and also there's a sense in which if the movie is named The Fellowship of the Ring they wanted to spend more time with the Fellowship all all for good reasons I'm not I'm not faulting uh, Jackson any of this and yet if when you read the books you'll notice that that first part getting to Rivendell is so much longer because it's called a book for a reason that it has its own internal uh, story that climaxes at the, the the Ford of the Bruin Inn where 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 Frodo and and also Elrond and Gandalf though without his not knowing uh, face off against the Nine Riders and and then Glorfindel runs comes up in in, in all his glory. Unveiling his Majesty as a as as a uh, High Elf who, who's who's living in, in uh, uh who's living in both worlds simultaneously, as, as Gandalf explains in the second book, this whole thing is climaxing to ris- arriving at at Rivendell because that's as far as Frodo was hoping to go. Frodo was hoping to go to Rivendell, pass on the ring go back home. He was hoping that Elrond could keep the ring safe and there's even this conversation in the many in the beginning of the many meetings where he he still seems to be saying like holding out hope for the possibility that he might be going home. And then the meeting comes, the council comes. And there's that that amazing moment and and the, the movie's rightly center that that moment. When Frodo stands up and he says, I will take the ring, though I don't know the way. So he volunteers to take. That's a major moment. Like the, the, the movies don't really bring that out as much. Um, this, this fact that he just wanted to go to Rivendell and go back home. And so this moment of, of paramount courage when he finally says, I will take the ring, though I don't know the way. And why does that moment matter? Because Frodo does not have wanderlust. He is not desiring to leave his home. He wants to go back home. And you know, it's this this so great moment in the books. They don't bring it out in the the movies. In the movies, they all just sort of... It's almost like they weren't sure who was going to carry the ring. Um, But in the books... Uh, if, I, I can't remember. It's, it's been a while and we haven't read it yet with my, my son yet. Um, either Gandalf or Elrond say essentially, well, yes, of course. It's, it's kind of been evident to us from the beginning that this is your task. And yet there's there's this sense of like, but you needed to come to the conclusion yourself. You, you yourself needed to come to the conclusion that it was your task to bring the ring not not just to rivendell but all the way to mordor to the cracks of doom and cast it into the fire this is your task but all the while his whole goal he he never is happy with the journey <laughs> there's never a moment where frodo says and then i finally came to terms and i i love that the, i love the journey he always 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 his goal was to rescue the Shire so that they could live in peace, and and you you, you also look at, at um. Uh, the life of Aragorn, where he he's, he talks about how, there they have often guarded. The the land of the Shire so that the Shirelings can live in peace without it, without, um, without threats because the Rangers have been looking out for. Them And there's there's the men of war are not are not to be praised because they're men of war and the, the adventurers and the rangers are not to be praised because of that. Like, you know, that what's what's praiseworthy about them is not that they desire the adventure, but that they're willing to do it so that others may live in peace. There's still the home and hearth is the goal. And, and you think about that, attach that to Tolkien's own life, you know, having been a, a soldier in the, in the Great War in World War One and you know did he do that because he wanted to be a soldier man being I, I imagine being in war is a very great way to disabuse you of this concept of glory for the sake of glory like like i i can't imagine that tr- that soldiers write books like and even and I, I love this book as well i don't imagine soldiers write books like the iliad where the soldiers are all boasting for glory and things like that. And and, and maybe that's a feature of the time, but, um, and of course, maybe someday I could talk about the Iliad because I think there's some serious anti-war themes going on in that book. Uh, but, but there's, a true sh- soldier knows you don't pick the adventure and the battle and the war because the battle and the war and the adventure are good. You do it so that the people back home can live in peace. And Tolkien would have known that and understood that so well. And, and this is always the attitude of, of Frodo and Bilbo in both of their adventures. And yet, what is the result What is the result of the story? When all is said and done and Frodo and Bilbo both go home, what do they find? They find that they are no longer fit for home. They gave up something. What they gave up was the ability to enjoy what they fought for. What is the conclusion of Moana? The conclusion of Moana is, uh, he taught his, she taught her village that it is not good to be stationary. That home is not worth staying. Like, home, you should never stay home. We must be a people who are constantly moving, seeking the new, seeking the 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 the, the future. And I think maybe we could say that there's something valuable to that, even as a metaphor for the Christian life. This idea that um, never be satisfied. With the victory, with the one victory. And there's some there's something to that. Um And yet there's something about this 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 tragedy that is at the heart of both the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, if you really think about it, is that they both came back broken. Uh Bilbo in that he had caught the wanderlust and he just he couldn't stay in in in, uh, in the Shire forever. And so something is broken about him that he wanted to see adventure again. He got the, the taste, his Tookish, he, he fed his Tookish side and he wanted to go and experience it some more. And um, and in some ways that was a mercy because by leaving behind the Shire and the Ring, uh, ultimately his you could argue his soul was saved. Um. By by that, I guess it would be another eucatastrophe. But but with with Frodo, it's the attack. He is wounded, and there there's some. What's what's fascinating is you read the book uh, Lord of the Rings. You can find like you know, ask the question: Who is the Christ figure? And you can't pick just one, which is you know because no one is Christ. <laughs> Only Christ is Christ. There's many people who figure who factor into the Christ figure role. Aragorn as the king who comes again, Gandalf as the one who dies and rises again, um, uh, and and Frodo as the one who bears the burden on his back for the sake of you know the ju- for the, for the people. He's bearing his bur- the burden for. Uh in a self-sacrificial way, but he is wounded, and that's, that's definitely a Christ-figuring sort of there, is that he, when he's wounded on his arm, he's, he's stabbed by the Morgul blade. That, um, that wound is such a big deal. This wound for the sake of his people that he bears early in the book will ultimately make it so that he is broken and cannot go back to his home. He's not able to go home. When he comes home, he finds that that the wound never fully healed and the only answer is for him to, to move on. And yet you think about the, the beauty of that. The beauty of that, that he is wounded and harmed, but it always comes back to to save and to preserve the peaceful life, yeah. The hobbits are stupid and foolish, and they, they uh, do stupid and foolish things. But ultimately, there's there's kind of a silliness to that because you'd rather be stupid and foolish than evil. Um, and in fact, you could argue that the greatest the great villains of the Lord of the Rings are the progressives. Sauron is a maker of machines and of gunpowder. Uh, um Sar sorry, sorry, Saruman and Sauron himself has many uh machines and he is the he's the imperialist who wants to conquer. Um and the kings of, of men are there to pres just to to protect the free people of Middle earth and, and uh but, but but that's a very the very conservative idea of a king is just there to protect the people. Um uh but ultimately, and, and why, do, why, why am I making a big deal out of these two storylines? The, the, the idea of the adventurer in Moana and the adventurer in Tolkien and, and contrasting those two, um, am I doing it just because I, I, uh, watched Moana with my kids last night and I was like, that could make some interesting content. Yeah. Yeah. Partially that, uh, <laughs> am I doing it because I just want to talk about Tolkien some more? Yeah. A little bit of that as well. I'll be honest about that, but ultimately, one thing that we've been talking about a lot on our show recently, uh, with the, with uh With 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 the the. Uh, um. I don't know. Uh, with 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 both with revelation and with the evangelical downgrade is, and it hasn't been something we've been saying explicitly but I think is important is this concept of worldview and how worldview affects the way we live in the world and um, the scriptural worldview against the world's worldview. And I think we can see that very clearly in these two um, story arcs, these two adventure story arcs. The worldview of the world is what we see in Moana. This idea, never be satisfied. It's never enough. Always, always be looking for the next adventure. Against the worldview, and I really think like it's it's not a perfect perfectly scriptural worldview. Um we have talked about our theological differences with Mr. Tolkien in the past. But the scriptural worldview of of J.R.R. Tolkien is this idea of the greatest adventure is found in the mundane at home. The goal of evangelicalism to find respectability has resulted in their downplaying of the family. Now they'll, they'll verbally say, yeah, the family's important. And yet um it's remarkable how often you'll still find among the modern evangelicals this idea of the idolatry of the family idolatry of the family like what 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 else should i do or or this praise of the gift of singleness we need to talk more about the gift of singleness like like as if as if our problem in our modern world is is that uh, not enough people are celebrating singleness. Is that really the problem of our modern culture? No, the problem of our modern culture is that we excuse putting off marriage because we want to, like Moana, seek that next adventure. And ultimately, if we have a family, it's because, well, that's the next adventure. But but then, but then that's a very selfish view of parenting and of marriage is I'm just seeking that, that, that adventure. Well, you know what? This isn't the adventure I wanted. So you know what? Find the next island, divorce, remarry, Uh, or, and even like, you know, we'll have one kid because it's the adventure of child of, of having a child, of being a parent. Well, let's get that adventure over with so that I can go back into, uh, to the next adventure. And, and it's, it's like parenting as another adventure. And, but, but the Tolkien worldview is to say, if there is battles to be had, the man will have those battles. But the purpose of the battle is to preserve the peace of the people at home. Like like the the vision I love of that, that story. Of the vision of great men fighting battles for the sake of those back home. This is a, a beautiful picture of, of parenthood. Like fighting battles for the sake of your family. And yet... Ultimately, that 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 is the goal is for the peace of the children. That's something that's lost, right? This this idea of fighting for your children to have a better life, like this 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 almost it's become an old fashioned concept, right? Like now it's just it, it's what we praise um, we praise the. The, the pop stars like I remember reading that um, just that headline of Adele writing a whole CD to explain to her child why she had to divorce her child's father because it was for her for so that she could sh- she could live her fullest life oh, what a tragedy that's the Moana worldview I had to leave leave the island so I could find the next island. But this is not a a silly story full of musical numbers and, and finding that next island and a lot of boating and stuff like that. This is the life of her child. Tore her out of any possibility of peace, stability, I needed to find the next island. Because the sea called to me. That's, that's the hero that we produce nowadays. That's the hero that we produce. Do you, you, don't you see how that fits? This, this, this worldly worldview. They're both adventure stories and yet they're, they're ultimately comes from this destructive worldview. And so once again, it's, it's a, it's a drum I've been beating on for so long. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to stop seeking the next thing. Oh my goodness. I just keep wa- every, every few years, um, all the people, you know, whether it's libertarians or Christians, we we, we end up coming <laughs> this constant wanderlust. I I see it. These people who change their denominations and their traditions by the week. It's the next island. There's no there's no stability. Um, the libertarians every every few years we're gonna come up with a brand new solution. We're gonna finally fix the liberty problem. We've got now we've got the perfect strategy. You know, before, and then of course now we're 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 gonna rag on everyone who has not figured out our new strategy yet. And then in a few years, what's gonna happen? Um, they're either gonna flame out or they're gonna end up back in libertarian libertarian philosophy. And then they're gonna come up with another brand new solution to the liberty problem. And and it's this wanderlust that we just push to the new thing. We're gonna finally fix that problem if we just get to that next island. Um, but I'm gonna call you. Once again, I'm going to beg you to stop chasing after the next fad. To stop running after a new sh- shifting sand solution to, to your faith problem. To build your house on the solid rock. To stay put. On the island that served, has served you so well. And to build a life. Look to the word of God. We say this again and again and again. Look to the word of God, not to the word of culture. Stop letting the culture set our agenda. This is... This... Plague of worldliness that we see among evangelicalism. This plague of of shifting sand, tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine that we see plaguing libertarianism. Like both in both situations, ultimately, what I'm going to I'm I'm asking you is to if you're going to fight a battle, fight a battle for home and hearth. Fight for peace. For the family, center yourself on what is going to what is going to last, a family being built on the word of God. And then I'm going to say this also for the Christian artists, uh, for the Christians who are creating art. Um, when you start forming your story if you want to make explicitly Christian art, or, no, let's not call it explicitly, if you want to make Christian art, the answer is not. Write a sermon and an altar call as part of the movie. If your goal is actually, or the movie, the story, if your goal is actually to create good art, um, which, you know, um, say goodnight, Kevin, um, uh, who I'm aware of because he used to be on a podcast with... uh, the, the the guy from Blimey Cow, uh, they did, they had a podcast called Who Would Build the Roads. It was a really fun podcast, but it flamed out at some point. And I don't know why. Who cares why? But you know, it flamed out at some point. So I became aware of him through that podcast. But uh, so when I saw him on the the Babylon B show, um, he made some interesting points on that show about how, um, in many ways, uh, Christian movies are bad because they want them to be bad, and I think that's a really interesting conversation. You Should go check that out, Babylon B. Say goodnight, Kevin, um, episode. I don't know what number it is, whatever. The the matter just go find it on their YouTube channel. Uh but if they actually want if you actually want to make good Christian art, my advice is not to the point doesn't have to be creating uh making an altar call, making explicit Christianity that the heroes ex Christians are the heroes. Take a page out of Tolkien's book. It's the story can be a good story and as long as it points you back to what is important, what is truly important. It doesn't have to be explicitly like you don't have to have Jesus on every page because the whole story is built upon that foundation of, of the true worldview. And so, part of what makes Tolkien's stories last is because it rings true, and, and it rings true not in a way that those those indie slice of life movies ring true, where you know they, they produce such a dismal worldview, and everyone f- you you feel like everything is futile and un and uh, dark, and there's no joy in the world. It rings true in a way that we. Read about Aragorn, and you know what? I, I don't want Aragorn to be a damaged person. That's what the movies did. The movies tried to make him a real person with, 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 with real. Like he, he, he doubts himself, and he's, he's, he's. You know, he's got moments of, of, uh, of, of, uh, you know crisis of conscience and i don't want a broken aragorn i want an aragorn who reminds me that heroes are real and that i if i have the courage i can do that too i don't want uh i don't i don't okay i watched james bond uh, i i finally watched james bond the newest james bond and i i hadn't watched it since Back when Pierce Brosnan was Pierce was James Bond, I don't want James Bond to have crisis of conscience. I don't want him to get beat up. I want him to be this larger than life figure who who makes me think that more is possible than just what is human. You know, like the, I, if modern Hollywood told the Christian the the Christ story like he would have like Jesus would be doubting his mission every page. I don't want to read that. I want to see the Christ who confidently follows the will of God, who reminds me that the will of God is something you can be confident about. We can tell stories of true heroes and that um that's going to represent the Christian worldview better than if you have an altar call at the end of it. Tell stories built upon the foundation of of the true Christian worldview. And as Patrick said in the chat earlier, when you're watching movies, talk to your kids about the worldview. Like this is useful. Like what I'm doing right now is in some ways I'm just modeling the way that you should be uh, approaching every movie for yourself. Cause for one thing, like if you're not doing it for yourself, uh, if you are not analyzing the worldview that you are imbibing in your culture, uh, you are not you, well, you're going to adopt that worldview. Like it's that's the way it works. The world, the world doesn't win by, by, uh, argumentation, but by just sort of wearing on you. It's like the, the wave doesn't convince the rock to grow smaller. Uh, the wave just wears down the rock until it's smaller, and that's the way the, that's the way worldview works if you don't if you're not analyzing what is being taught in the movies, it's going to infect you so always be analyzing it always be thinking about what you're watching and as you're watching it with your kids analyze the analyze the world view I think with them as well is such an important thing too, so that they learn to not just take the world view of the world as it comes to them um that's a great uh That's a a great reminder. So, I said this was going to be a short one. And it went significantly longer than I planned. Because I am me. This is our show. You know what we do. Now you know what you do. What you do is you... uh, Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button rate it five stars share it with everybody share it with that your your movie buff uh cousin who's like uh hey have you ever thought about the the uh way that moana and uh the way that moana and and tolkien are the same and different uh send it to them and talk about it um if you've got a comment you can leave it uh under the video if you're watching it or send an email to anarchistbiblestudy at gmail.com unless what you want to tell us is how we can uh, uh, monetize our whatever, then send that email to moana at badworldview.gov. Because, of course, it's .gov. Come on. I'm on to you, CIA. Uh, (laughs) And, of course, uh, Makes sure, if if you want to support this the show if you like what we do you want to share it um go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and as I said there's plenty of good stuff you get by going there and supporting us for only one dollar a month or for three dollars a month you can have access to the member stream which again Jeff uh AKA taking the night off will be joining us on that tomorrow night uh of course today is Sunday if you are watching this when it comes out on Thursday. Obviously, you're you're not gonna see it. So buymeacoffee.com/slash/flyover uh, for just one dollar or three dollars. Uh, or if you get really ambitious, you can give us ten dollars a month. But why in the world would you do that? It makes zero sense. I. I but uh, you can support our show. get get a lot of ac- get access to us and our hopping Discord channel, and um, you know you can feel good about yourself. So you know. A little bit of that ain't bad. Um, And of course, the most important thing. Join us next time when we take anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Bye.